Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am at Race for the Prize. Let's talk about Xfinity Las Vegas. We're going to look at the salaries. We're going to try some values, especially in the mid-pack, because that is where it is the most challenging. But before we do that, remember RaceForThePrize.com. That's where you get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet for the month of March. The package is available. If you didn't sign up for February, we can kind of combine the pricing a little bit. Email me, RaceForThePrize06 at gmail.com or at Race Surprise on Twitter. We can work something out, get you into those February Las Vegas sheets and get you started in Las Vegas. And then also like and subscribe. A lot of new people here, but you're not subscribed. So so hit that subscribe button. Come on now. Let's like these videos. We're looking at the mid-pack today. We're looking at these prices because we're probably going to have to go here somewhere between the 6,000 to 8,000 range where we know the cars are halfway decent. They run full seasons. The drivers are pretty experienced, but how do we separate the two? Most people are probably just going to separate based on practice speed. And while there will be valuable lap-by-lap data in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, it's going to help you out with that pick. It's not the end-all, be-all, and it may not be the best measure or indicator. We probably should see what did they do last season. And sometimes we have a general idea of what Jordan Anderson's team has done or Chris Owl, our, or Sieg Motorsports or Sam Hunt Racing. But do you really know specifically how well they did? Or is it just an assumption? And can that be skewed? Could that be skewed by road courses, plate races, different drivers jumping in and out of the car? So we're going to do that. And that's kind of what separates this podcast and myself from other DFS content is there's team tools versus team touts. Team tout is just going to tell you who to play every week. And that's fine. If you want to choose team tout, you can follow team tout. And, you know, it's the old adage, you can teach a man to fish. He'll never go hungry. But if you don't, they just keep having to come back for fish or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I don't really need to go into that. But my process here is to not rely on assumptions and generalizations and just throw picks and names out there. It's to look at the tools. It's to trust the tools. And although my spreadsheet is rudimentary, it will give us data that will separate ourselves from it. Will make us a little bit more objective when we are making our selections. And that is probably the best process in analytics and making predictions is to be able to separate your own bias. So these guys at the very bottom, a lot of them are going to be straight punts, but we can filter out and look specifically at what a Tommy Joe Martin's team does. Because for the most part, Tommy Joe Martin's team is in that mid pack. It is in that tier two race where these guys are racing against each other because at the end of the season, the best driver that finishes. Amongst this group does get slight bonuses in paycheck. So while they're not racing against JGR and they're not really racing against junior motorsports, they are competing amongst each other. And even though Tom and Joe Martins may be a step behind in the end, their results are fairly decent and they can hold their own against AMS slash Kevin Swinsky slash Tim Self. They can hold their own against Sieg and Gosselin. But again, that's kind of an assumption like, yeah, there are good days for Tommy Joe Martin's team Alpha Prime. But we don't want to just rely on our feelings and make it anecdotal. So what we'll do to separate these drivers is real quickly look at my small team Xfinity chart. And what I have them listed right now is based on their average finish from last season, from left to right. The best team last year, in my opinion, is Sawinski's AMS, AM Racing slash himself. You know, they combine the ARCA, the trucks, and... They just go by AM racing, but it's a lot of guys that have been in the industry forever. Um, you'll actually see Jordan Anderson has a slightly better average finish, but Jordan Anderson's team ran 73 races or had 73 cars, whereas it was really just one car. And in half the races, AM scored nine top tens, 
And with twice as many attempts, with twice as many cars, Jordan Anderson had 16 top 10s. You know, I mean, we're splitting hairs a little bit, but if I want to argue, I'd say Swinski last season with their average finish of 19th, but more top 10s was better than Jordan Anderson. But either way, when we're looking at the mid-pack, those are the two teams that step off the chart or step off the board or stand out is what I'm trying to say. Um, now, some of you might be saying, wait a second, though, but this is including short tracks. This is according to road courses and super speedways, which are tracks that favor these mid-pack drivers or at least boost their potential, which could skew the averages. We'll get to that in a second. So, yes, we are right now looking at all tracks, and that may not be the most helpful for Las Vegas. So we will go a step further. But again, in our process of looking at all tracks, and you got Sam Hunt Racing with an average finish of 21st, which is slightly disappointing. You would think this Toyota would be better, but this Toyota is often dependent on who is in the car. Is it a Toyota racing development driver, a TRD guy that may bring in more money, or a Toyota may bring a better hot rod? Or is this just another guy? Now, with Sam Hunt actually gets some pretty decent drivers with a good bit of experience, but there has been a marketed difference over the last several seasons when there was an elite driver in the same Hunt Racing 26 and just uh, a guy, even though, you know, Sage Karam and Connor Mosak and Jeffrey Hunter are necessarily just guys, but he's not John Hunter Nemechek. Sieg would come in fourth. Sieg hurts a little bit from the CJ McLaughlin effect. And we can pull him out if we really want to, although McLaughlin does have a couple decent races under his belt. But they, you know, every week they're running so many different cars that uh, it doesn't necessarily give us probably the best average finish. Uh, again, that's something that we could filter out. If you say, I don't want to look at the Joe Graff stuff, you can filter out with the fancy NASCAR spreadsheet, Joe Graff, and then see what the averages are. Gosselin's coming in fifth with an average finish 23rd. Tommy Joe Martins is our fifth best mid-pack with an average finish of 25th. Uh, our Motorsports, this is a little disappointing to me. I expected them to be a little bit higher. I thought that the funding was a little bit better, but that's why we're doing the data. That's why we do this process here at the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast and with Fantasy NASCAR Spreadsheet. Again, we're trying to pull as much bias out as we can. Team Tower versus Team Tool. I'm going to trust the tool. And the tool says the average finish for hours is 26th. And my, some, my guess, or what I would infer, is that the reason we believe our motorsports is a little bit better is because maybe when they started the organization, it was probably a little bit stronger. And then I think also that Anthony Alfredo Fast Pasta has a little bit of a slow pasta, right? Slow, well, slow noodle, slow cheese, that's right. I think slow cheese is a better nickname for him, but you want to call him Fast Pasta, that's it's fine. He wasn't very fast. And because he has some sort of brand name appeal, was on TV a lot, raced in the Cup Series for an entire season with Front Row. Maybe there's this idea that they're better than they were. Uh, the reality is their average finish last season with Alfredo running a lot of races was 26th. Well, actually, how many races did Alfredo run? Actually, he didn't run any. Well, then never mind. That's right. Alfredo's in this car this year. Alfredo was with BJ Motorsports last year. God, God, I had caught myself on that. All right, well, that's something to look at. So now that's why you go through the data. Maybe the performance will be better. And obviously at Daytona, these are super speedways, was a little bit better. We'll see what happens, huh? Yeah, I can't believe I made that mistake. But again, that's the kind of mistakes you do when you don't trust the tools. Trust the tools. Back to the tools. Johnny Davis, JD Motorsports, not the JD we once had. 
Average finish, 26. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Bobby Dodder, SS Greenlight Racing. Not as good as they once were. Remember the Ray Black Jr. days? I was going through the data. Ray Black. SS Greenlight. Did some Gosselin. 27th. So those are our main mid-pack targets. Now what we want to do is really look at these guys and maybe separate and take out some of the tracks. Let's just look at intermediate tracks. So 17th. Because we want to see if there's a little bit of skew here. Let's see. Just give me these two filters. And it doesn't really change much. So that's good news for Jordan Anderson. They had pretty solid finishes everywhere. And then we can see here their intermediate track runs. Pretty strong showing. Especially towards maybe not at their best at the end of the season. But we're seeing them run in the top 15. Arguably a top 15 car. Uh, Parker Retzlaff had a really good season. We love Parker Retzlaff a, a couple seasons ago when he burst on the scene for C, ran a handful of races, and it was really surprising. Last year in a full season with Jordan Anderson, was really good. He was a top 20 driver. So if we go back and look at Retzlaff over here, how much is he going to cost us? 7600 and he is at the top of the pack. And I did want to make note of his crew chief. Let me pull that up. Chad Kendrick, man. Chad Kendrick is a very talented Ken, uh, crew chief. Spent most of his time in the truck series, but this wasn't just a walk in the park. I mean, a lot of this was with Brad Kozlowski Racing. He then was with Young Motorsports when they were halfway decent. Kind of rode that for a little while. And then you look at Matt DiBenedetto over 22 and 2023 in the trucks. He had some really solid finishes. He doesn't give much credit, but he was around a 10th to 15th place truck every single week, which says a lot when you're competing against Thor and McAnally and Tricom, Tricon or KBM. Very solid. Now, Chad Kendrick's going to come over to our motorsports, or no, come over to Anderson, work with Retzlaff. So it is a bit of a concern, possibly, that Retzlaff has a new crew chief. His crew chief was pretty solid last year. But I think that's definitely going to be a positive, something excited about. But again, it's going to cost you a little bit of cash. Let's go back to our small X-15. So first takeaway, I do like Parker Retzlaff if we can afford him in this race. And what did Retzlaff do last year? 14th at Las Vegas in the fall. Understandable that in his first race with Anderson, 37th probably had an issue if we looked it up. But either way, after a full season, closing out the year, top 15, and that was a green flag race. If you remember, Riley Herbst ran pretty much to the end of stage three. And so to get a top 15 without really cautions or flukes, very solid racing by Parker Retzlaff. Let's go back to our small teams in Hunt. And we got an average finish of 21st. Let's see if we just look mainly at the intermediate tracks, how that is going to change our opinion on this race. And it actually drops down to 23rd a little bit, so not as good. And as I mentioned, you can see, when they have a Kaz Growler, Connor Mosak, the, the results weren't that great. But Corey Heim, who will be racing for Hunt this week, 15th at Darlington. Corey Heim, issue probably there at Pocono. The results aren't that great. But even Kaz Growler got a 10th at Kansas here, Texas. Parker Chase jumping in, getting a 16th. It is definitely a top 20 car, pushing top 15. I prefer Jordan Anderson a little bit more. And we're going to see, again, there's Corey Heim at Darlington with a 10th. Casgrala with a 9th at Darlington. Pretty solid days. And then if you go back to Vegas last year, Casgrala, Tyler Reddick, 13. At Fontana for Cas, 13 at Las Vegas. So 
you put a little bit less of a driver in at Las Vegas. He finishes 23rd. We didn't get really any elite guys last season. In previous years, you would get a John Hunter Nemechek jumping in this truck or some other developmental driver from Toyota. Not too much of a fall off at the intermediate tracks. Still think that they're at the top. So if I'm looking at Corey Heim, I really don't want to spend a lot, though, on Corey Heim. And I don't know if he's going to really give us a discount. 7,800, a little bit more than Rhett's live. This is where we would definitely use some practice data to help us out. But we can already pretty much guarantee that Corey Heim, and Heim's going to have some experience in the truck race, but being the brand name that he is and is becoming, he's going to carry more ownership. So if you are playing the ownership game, Retzlav would be maybe the preferable DFS or preferable DFS pick. Let's jump over to Sieg, see how much this changes. If I can get my filter error to pop up the screen. Here we go. Clear it. Let's read the average T. And it drops down a spot, which I was kind of expecting. And, you know, we got to dance around a bunch of different guys. Typically for Sieg, it's Kyle and Ryan have been our best performers. But CJ occasionally comes through and sometimes Joe comes through. So, again, you see Homestead 14 and 22. It's about the range I would put them in. Ryan Sieg, 16th at Las Vegas. But he's going to cost you more. Kyle's going to be the affordable one, Ryan, with an 11th. But yes, you can see the other cars in these other tracks tend to not perform that well. You know, we got Kyle Sieg with 35th at Darlington. That's not really helping that much. These results are a little lower than I think I would expect. Then you've got a track like Pocono, which I'm probably not going to put too much weight behind because although it's not a super speedway, this race does tend to favor sometimes some of these lower teams to boost their output. Michigan, a track which in the Xfinity Series is pretty much a power intermediate track. You got Ryan Sieg 13th, Kyle Sieg 19th. That uh, looks pretty good. Early in the season, Las Vegas, pretty solid driver in Alex Obey with an 18th. 20th from Kyle Sieg. Disappointing day from Ryan Sieg. Overall, not that great. Not that flattering of stats here in terms of intermediate track running for C and uh, they didn't necessarily close strong ryan sometimes will put together a pretty good race there's a 16th las vegas but even among his standards you expect especially in the playoffs where the field becomes a little softer we have less bushwhackers sometimes it's not as exaggerated as it once was maybe you expect a little bit more out of him he is a top 15 driver top 10 is definitely pushing it but that's ryan so we slot kyle down a little bit more and I think that it's right to put them behind Anderson, to put them behind Hunt, to put them behind A.M. and Sawinski. And if we come over here, though, I think Kyle Sieg probably will save us quite a little bit of money. And he is at 5700 So that's a marketed difference from the guys we were talking about before. And even Ryan Sieg at 6900 much cheaper than the two Jordan Anderson cars up here, the Sam Hunt car. We're saving quite a bit, and the fall-off's not too bad. But there clearly is a difference here. These drivers are clearly not as good. And I'm back. Had to make some 5.50 a.m. pancakes for the little one. We were last talking about Sieg, if I am correct. And we will move on to our next driver. Again, Kyle Sieg, Ryan Sieg, they're going to offer some savings, but with a little bit more volatility. They're also not too far off from those bigger teams. 
Mario Gosselin. So we're going to lose our old pal Josh Williams. On average, 23rd was their finish. Not the highest on our chart of cheapies. But let's see if that performance, inform, informance, performance improved at the intermediate tracks. And I'm going to say probably not. Because when I think of this team... I think of a team that's good at plate races and is good on road courses. The 23rd, and we're going to drop it right down to 24th. That's a significant, no, it's a one-spot decrease. Let's see what they did last year. Kyle Weatherman, always an underrated driver. 16th and 17th at Homestead for him and Williams. Maybe not the most comparable track, but then you look at Fort Worth, Texas, top 20 cars. At least they had one in the top 20 at Kansas last season, a track that I would argue is comparable to Las Vegas. But then when you look at Las Vegas, that's not very good. Michigan, and this is about where we're expecting on the other side of the top 20. If you want to take a loud knot, you can. Maybe that's skewing data a little bit. Decent races here at Darlington, at Charlotte. We'll take that right around the 20th to 25th spot. And I think that's probably where we assume that they were. Man, both the races at Las Vegas did not work out for Gosselin last season. Not running a lot of the laps either. Where were they lap-wise last year at Las Vegas? When this thing went green, they had mechanical issues. What did they do in the spring race? Several laps down. Not very good for Mario Gosselin. And I think they're slotted in right where they should be. Who do we got in the Gosselin cars this week? We got Kyle Weatherman again at his typical price of 6500 I think I would much rather go down to Kyle Sieg. And who else do we got in the Gosselin car? Nick Lights, Leets, this is the new guy stepping in. I will admit, I don't know much about this young kid or old man or whoever he is. A lot remains to be seen. Research needs to be done. Maybe there's a gym here. And if that's the case, let's look him up. Let's look this kid up because I don't want to give you team tap perspective. Trust the tools. Look at the research. What do we got on Leets? Hopefully we don't have to go down some wikipedia rabbit hole for this kid 1996 so he's not too young i'm assuming chesapeake virginia's probably been running a lot of late model series over his career just two xfinity races finishes not very good trucks seven races finishes not very good who did he run those truck series races with in 22 and 23 nice who am i guessing brandy young rayum with Young, though, not bad, 21, 19, 23, 19 for Young. That's pretty decent results, given that the Young trucks weren't really that great. Good close to the season there. And he probably shouldn't hold those Rayum races against him. Eh, not bad little talent here. There might be something here. What are you in late models? Uh, just one late model race. I thought we would have done more. Now, that's enough data for now. I'll keep this podcast short. If you want to Google up his homepage, then have at it by all means. But Gosselin's probably not going to be one of the preferred targets. but you may be able to be a little different with Nick, but Kyle's right there. It's not going to cost you that much. Brendan Poole's right there. It's not going to cost you that much. And I can't imagine Poole seeing Leet's ownership really being the difference in the end. It's just going to be who has a better race. Poole has tons more experience. And the question is, how much worse is the Martins car to the Sieg and Gosselin? Clearly, we haven't gotten the Martins yet, so the results weren't that good. But Martins will be the next team that we jump into. And we'll look at their intermediate track results. So average finish 25th. Let's see what they did at mainly intermediate tracks. And see what we can find out. 
drops a little bit. Obviously, we take road courses out. We take out the super speedways. Last season, Ryan Ellis finishing on clearly on the other side of the 20s with Carruth and Die and Earnhardt at intermediate-ish track tracks. Texas, pretty good races. Kansas, decent there. They got on the other side of the top 20, but most part looks like they're on the wrong side of the top 20. The first three races at Las Vegas, no bueno, all finishing three laps down with Carruth, Ellis, and Earnhardt. What did we do in the last one? Again, not very good races, finishing several laps down, not having any speed at Las Vegas. That would be a concern. These aren't mechanical issues, right? Because they're running 198 or 201 laps. They're just getting lapped. They're not having the speed that they should have. And even at Kansas, where they had a little bit better result, he still was a lap down right here. Um, a lot of times finishing not on the lead lap. So that is a bit of a concern for the Tommy Joe Martin's cars. If you wanted to go, it's a little bit more of a cheaper play in Brennan Pool. He could still get it done. I wouldn't completely eliminate him. You can see he's a little bit closer. And with Nick, there's a little bit more guessing that's going to happen. Um, so we can get Ryan Ellis at a significantly cheaper drive. And there was a difference at times between these seed cars. Typically, the where's the Kruth car, the 40, well, typically I thought it was the 43 would get the best financing. But it looks like they shifted that around. See, they got the 43, 44, and 45. And... I believe it was two seasons ago where 43 was the main car getting the main amount of focus from Tommy Joe Martins and 44 and 45 often had a little less resources, but often had more experienced drivers. So it's hard to determine like, is it car or is it experience? You get younger kids in the better funded equipment, but it looks like some of that has gone out of the window. Um, it is, I'll tell you what. So we thought before when it was 43, well, that's not going to work correctly because I got it messed up. But you go through and look at the, the data to see if filter it out if you think the 43 is better. That's something I need to look into. Actually, here, I can fix this real quick. Let's see if these numbers increase if we just look purely at the 43. And they got a little bit better. And let's just look at... The 44. Yeah, that was marketedly worse. And let's just look at the 45. About the same as the 43. So it looks like the 44 was often the lesser equipment, maybe often featured the driver that wasn't the best. Let's go over to our motorsports, who mainly had Blaine Perkins in the car last year. West Coast driver. Got a road course win in Utah years ago in the ARCA series. You know when you know those facts. You've been doing this stuff for way too long. Blaine Perkins, super fan. Learn a new thing every day. It's cleared out. Let's see. 26th is the average. I didn't look at... Like, So no change really here when we take out and just look. Hour was hour. Oh, there it is. Yeah, 28. And not very good results from Blaine Perkins. How much of that is Blaine Perkins? How much of that is our motorsports? And you put Kyle Weatherman in this car at the beginning of the season, 16th in Las Vegas, 17th in Phoenix, 14th at Dover. Those are some pretty strong runs. When Blaine Perkins buys the ride, big time fall off. 
You put Alfredo in there, and I think you're going to get results much closer to what Kyle Weatherman was able to produce. So we go back over here, but Alfredo is not going to be cheap. And it's a little expensive for what Hour did last year, or what Perkins did last year at 7000 but I don't mind it. And I've got Alfredo link because I want to look at the crew chief, Joshua Graham. And, oh yeah, so Joshua Graham was Retzlaff's crew chief last year for Anderson, where Retzlaff had those pretty strong performances. Something to keep your eye on. That definitely is a positive moving forward. I think Alfredo is going to be someone I target. So again, remember, those hour races from last year, it wasn't Alfredo. That was a mistake on my part. That was Perkins. And this could definitely be a team that we want to get behind in the mid-pack when we're looking for value at Las Vegas. Johnny Davis, always slotting in a bunch of different people. So it's going to be sometimes hard to filter and decipher this data because who knows who's in this flex seal ride at a given time. In the days of like the four at JD being the one that we completely follow. So average finish of 26th. The days of the four cars good and the rest are kind of so-so, well, that's out the window. There's no Ross Chastain anymore. So 26 is the average finish. And just drops back a little bit. Uh, we're looking closer to the 25s here. And not really that inviting, not really that appealing. You're getting kind of more into straight punt range. And that's what you're getting price-wise, too, with Dawson Cram still running around 4,700. You could do worse. There's Blaine Perkins. Now he's buying a ride at Sieg. And I just don't expect things to get much better for him. Uh, so you can get Dawson Cram down at the bottom. That's just a straight punt for all intents and purposes. Garrett Smithley, a little bit more experience, but still similar situation of a straight punt. Maybe you're chasing place differential. I wouldn't hate you for doing that. And are we getting anything else for Johnny Davis? Yeah, I wouldn't spend any more if we were. And as we were out, Bobby Dodder, SS Greenlight, average finish of 27th. And this team used to be really dependent and reliable in DFS NASCAR. Those days are long gone. But at least he's still out there fielding cars, keeping our field packed full. And it drops down one. These results aren't terrible, given where I have slotted them in. You know, ranking them kind of as one of the worst small teams, but 19th at Phoenix with Dawson Cram. Massey, Parsons, I mean, you can see a whole different allotment of drivers. David Starr coming out of Texas. Whataburger, man. Uh, 20, you know, we're getting on the right side of the top 25. That's appealing. Kansas, 21 and a 16. These are races now. They are two laps down, but still 21st and 16th. That's not bad for these daughter cars, given the price that we might get on some of these guys. Darlington, not bad. What was it in the first Las Vegas race? Yeah, just really didn't have any speed at all. Really rough race for them at Las Vegas. Well, how was the bounce back, though? With Stephen Parsons, again, really lacking speed. That would be a concern for me if I am looking into J.J. Ailey. I like the experience that J.J. brings. But is he going to have enough of a car to get it done? And he's more expensive than Haley Deegan, who is with Swinsky slash AM, which is the top mid-pack car. Now, again, those mid-pack results are heavily influenced by who was driving that car. 
it was the first season of that team. So you could say you could hold that against them, but that's Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt's a much better driver. Former Rookie of the Year, Truck Series champion, Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series. There was no one in the field that year, but pretty solid intermediate. Well, see, this is, we got everything in this one, don't we? Let's just look at intermediates and see. So 19th average finish. Let's just look at the intermediates. What Haley Deegan is going to be driving around in. And it actually improves. That's very appealing. Moffat the 15th. Again, it is a little skewed. Moffat's a much better driver than Deegan, but she's no slouch. She's bringing that Ford money with her. The cars should be just as fast, if not faster. It really just comes down to her being in the you know, Las Vegas and Xfinity series. And if you look at like, the one reason that she's probably in this car is because she got that one part-time ride in 2022 and looked absolutely amazing all weekend at Las Vegas. So this is really a big moment after two super speedways for Haley Deegan to really show if she's got it or not. Now, this isn't the only moment. This isn't the end-all, be-all. If you don't show it today, then you're never going to show it, and everything is on the line. But this is a big test. She knows it. Sawinski and Tim Self know it. The team is prepared. I would imagine they have a pretty good car, and Ford has a pretty good funded ride set up for this event. And at 6,100, I think she is definitely completely under valued again going back and looking average finish and one of the best average finishes running well at the intermediate tracks hanging on to lead laps uh, vegas was a down race still got 198 in las vegas not very good hopefully that is not something that's going to really mess us up so we'll quickly run through here look at some more of these mid packs um don't really need to touch on any of those straight punts. They're running quickly through. Pool's okay, but I do worry about Tommy Joe Martin's speed at Las Vegas. Kyle Sieg is somebody I typically will go to. Wasn't too worried about their speed from the Sieg, and he is one of the cheaper guys. Nick might be someone we want to explore, and I want to highlight this because this could be the key to the slate is doing a little bit more research, paying attention to him in practice. Not so crazy about Yaley and Weatherman. Clements is who you think he is. Uh, once we start getting up here, these are the drivers that have been more successful and you can probably pay for. And maybe, you know, Corey Heim, I like it. It's top 15 day possibly for him. Parker Retzlaff, top 15 seems very doable. Josh Williams is underpriced for a college car that has won at Las Vegas, has led a lot of laps at Las Vegas over the last couple of years. A.J. Allmendinger won at Vegas a couple of seasons ago. Chandler Smith pretty much controlled this race all last spring before getting passed at the very end. Colleague trims out, and it's worked out pretty well for them speed-wise. I don't expect Josh Williams to win or to lead laps, but it's a top 15 car. And if we're looking for a top 15 out of Parker Retzlaff, then why wouldn't that count for Josh Williams? And you run this race a thousand times, Josh Williams is more likely in a college car going to finish inside the top 15 more so than the other people. I do want to dial down the Josh Williams excitement. I know that everyone is bullish on him. Wow, the guy's finally getting an opportunity. But we do have to remind ourselves that he is basically bringing a sponsorship with him. That is why he was promoted to this car. While he has been pretty good in average equipment, if not below average equipment at Mario Gosselin, we really don't have a great read on the garage guy of Josh Williams of how good he can or cannot be. We do not have a really good read 
on how fast this college car is going to be, if it's more of a sponsorship deal or if he's getting the same elite, elite equipment that Chandler or Hemrick or A.J. Allmendinger got in the past. Even Daniel Hemrick was good at Las Vegas when that was in a JGR car, actually. Let me think about that one. Uh, but uh, some questions, but there's questions with Parker. There's questions with Anthony Alfredo. And really, you're kind of overthinking it. These guys are all priced the same. Williams is going to be the play. And that might lower ownership on Retzlav. And while I don't think the ownership's really going to change anything, but what might change is the build. If you're willing to go with Parker and Josh, you could probably create some unique lineups. You put a couple of these guys in your lineup, you could probably deviate and go in a different direction. But I like Sieg probably the least. He's there. Uh, I do really like what Alfred has got going for him, and he's running well, and he's starting to become more of an experienced driver. Williams clearly the number one guy. If I can get to Heim, I'm going to go to Heim. And then Retzlaff is right there as well. There's a really good sweet spot of drivers. And then uh, in reality, Brandon Jones is not really that expensive, but, you know, you play him at your own risk. Same thing with Van Gisbergen, another color car, probably underpriced. People are going to love Jesse Love at 8700 Yeah, we're probably going to say that a lot. I love Jesse Love this week. Did everything he was supposed to do in the Arca Series. Now, in the Arca Series, he did always have extremely competitive. And say competitive equipment is an undersell. There's a huge difference in the Arca Series. But look, we've seen other drivers in pretty good equipment not perform in the Arca Series. But Love absolutely got it done every single time and he's raced at all these tracks in the arca series i'm not sure i think he might even in fact have a las vegas win if not i know he has a kansas win and some 1.5 mile wins in the arca series um the bigger question you run into with and he could possibly lead laps the really fast car Kligerman, you might want to see place differential what's shaping up same thing with brandon jones it's another good section here too uh the the, the race on dfs DraftKings will probably run between making the right selections here. And you may not even need to punt. And then I, I think Deegan's going to become really popular because when we get down here, these are all pretty gross picks. And she is really cheap and some pretty good equipment. And I don't mind. We'll see how the practice works out. Thanks for joining me. Blessed to have you guys around. Love you guys. Trip life's fantastic.